Welcome to the Maniverse Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Traplin, and this is session number six. Hey guys, on today's episode of the Maniverse Podcast, we talk with Larissa Looms. She's one of three owners, along with her husband and sister-in-law, of Just By Chance Games in Waterloo, Ontario. This is actually my personal store that I hang out to in my local area when I do get a chance to come out and play Magic, usually modern every Tuesday. And it's uh, definitely one of my favorite stores that I've been to in a long time. I think they do a great job, and she shares some very valuable insights about what it's like to run a store successfully. If what you really want to know is what it takes to get a store from year zero to year three, then this is an episode that you want to pay attention to. So let's dive in. Uh, Well, uh, my name is Larissa Looms. I'm one of the three partners that own Just By Chance Games in Waterloo. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Is there anything else you'd like to know? (laughs) Uh, where were you born? How did you oh, get into games? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, um, I am originally from the Quinty area of Ontario, so that's sort of between Belleville and Kingston. I grew up out in the country, so it's mm-hmm. a very much a, a rural background. Um, I uh, Games were, well, I guess uh, growing up, uh, board games were sort of one of the things we often did during uh, family get-togethers. Anytime we went to my grandmother's for Christmas or Easter, March break or anything like that, um, I would spend a lot of time playing board games with my cousins. Uh, The number one family game in our clan is uh, Dutch Blitz, which is a very fast-paced Amish card game that uh, we became very, very much addicted to. and uh, when I met my husband, who was not my husband at the time, of course, uh, he was talking about um, going into business. And one of the things he was considering was a game store. Uh, so obviously, he came from a very strong gaming background. Uh, and uh, the third partner in the business is Alicia, his sister. Um, so the three of us seem to work very well together, so we went for it. Okay. And, uh, well, I guess you can't speak specifically to his motivation, but why did he want (laughs) to open a game store and how did he come to the conclusion that that was what he wanted most? I actually do know the motivation on that one. Um, Justin had been in the sciences in university. He did a double major in chemistry and physics. Um, but um, he eventually kind of realized that he didn't really want to spend his life working for a boss. He is a very independent man, um, and he decided he'd much rather be uh, financially independent. And uh, so 
so forth. So he, what he did was he left Newfoundland where he was studying and he went up to Yellowknife and he worked a million hours up there. Um, and basically all he did was work and save up whatever money he could uh, with the intended purpose of coming back down south and starting a business. Uh, the exact business was sort of up for debate. Uh, he had a list of criteria, which Alicia and I very much uh, shared at the time that we were looking into this, um, of things that um, were required for this business. Um, one of the main ones um, was sort of an ethical thing. Um, we all really felt strongly that we didn't want to be making our money off of things that were not beneficial to society. So mm -hmm. we didn't want to go into, say, a convenience store where a lot of your money comes off cigarettes. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, that sort of thing cropped up quite a bit. Um, we wanted something where we could have a decent understanding of the industry that we were getting into. Um, something that would be in harmony with our lifestyles. Um, and something that we could enjoy. <laughs> obviously. Um, so those were pretty high up there. Um, when the idea of a game store was sort of settled on, uh, it's sort of one of those things that we kept coming back to. Um, a lot of other things could have been done, but say like, say you open a grocery store, well, there's a high risk of food spoilage and losing a bunch of your inventory that way. Uh, whereas a game store that doesn't happen that sort of thing was stuff we considered. Okay. So, so there were a lot of advantages. Very much so. Um, now game stores are not really known for being, uh, the most lucrative industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I think the, the enjoyability of it is also uh, a massive factor here. Uh, so once, uh, once that has sort of been settled on, uh, we started looking around at different cities in Ontario. Um, Justin came down to Ontario long before this actually got off the ground. So uh, he was already here. Um, and then uh, we started looking around at different cities. And also there was a list of criteria for where we wanted to open up. Uh, we weren't particularly attached to where we were living at the time. Uh, I was uh, back with my parents in uh in Napanee there and uh, he was actually with his parents in Wooler and it, it's sort of this hilarious stereotype of like a couple of nerds living in their parents basement mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, uh, obviously that wasn't permanent uh, so we looked around at uh, different cities um, and uh, the criteria for different cities um, had to be uh, that we wanted a city where there was definitely a university campus. And we wanted a place that had a large enough population relative to the game stores in the area that we felt that the business could be supported. So we looked at, say, Kingston, for example, um, which is very much a university town, but there are already several game stores there. And we figured that that market was pretty much filled up. Mm -hmm. uh, but we looked at Waterloo, and even though there's several game stores in the area, um, there's a much larger population. So we figured um, there is probably room for uh, another another uh, game store in town without like seriously upsetting the ecosystem. 
Okay. And how did you decide to go into a like a three-way partnership rather than just say <laughs> you and him? Um, actually, originally it was going to be him and Alicia. Um, hmm. When this was all getting off the ground, him and I were not originally an item yet. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, we sort of met around the time that he came down to Ontario. So him and I were still kind of getting to know each other during his initial sort of planning stages. And Alicia was just graduating university. So the original plan had been him and Alicia setting up a business uh, uh, after she was graduated. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just kind of like their sidekick for a little while. I was mm-hmm. starting to date Justin and we we're um, just kind of around a lot, but I have, um, experience working with small businesses quite a bit. Um, and I had done some work in terms of like, um, income tax and secretarial work and stuff. So, uh, it became very useful to throw my skill set in with what they were doing. Um, and the more I was around and the more I was doing work with them in setting up the business, uh, the more it became clear that um, I would be sort of a good fit with them in a business sense, but also it was becoming more and more clear that Justin and I were going to end up getting married and I was going to be around one way or the other, no matter what. Um, so uh, yeah, it, it just kind of naturally evolved. Huh. Yeah. I guess you would be a partner regardless in some factor, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, the question of whether or not I would like legally be a partner was kind of not clear from the beginning because I could have just been like Justin's wife and gone off and had another job or something. But um, I had for a very long time lo- loved the idea of um, small business and uh, really um, had really considered the idea of going into business myself in the past, but mm-hmm. it hadn't been practical even what other things I had been doing. Um, so I was very much on board with it. Um, and there's certainly a lot of work that needs to be done when you start a new business. So uh, an extra person was very beneficial. Okay. It sounds like you did a lot of research before getting into it too. Yeah. I think that's one thing that really helped us off in the beginning was um, very careful planning and having a very sort of objective mindset where um uh, our personal preferences aren't necessarily what is top priority, uh, as opposed to like what's going to work and what's going to make sense and what's logical. I think a lot of people get into game stores or hobby type businesses, um, because they really, really love their hobby and that's great. Um, but you have to deal with a lot of people that feel very differently about your hobby or very, strongly about some other hobby and sometimes you have to be able to set aside your own personal preferences and think about what they need Mm -hmm. um so having a very sort of strong sense of detachment um is very beneficial okay so what uh, makes just by chance games special in waterloo like why is Hmm. it successful um that's a good question um well, I think the the research we did ahead of time meant that um, we could, for example, like 
put ourselves in an area geographically that was very accessible to students. Mm -hmm. um, that's one thing we very much wanted to do. Um, but one thing that was really important to us from the beginning was making sure that we turned ourselves into a place where people could hang out and build their community in our store. Um, obviously, like there's some other game stores um, that do that, but they might not be as close to campus. So we were particularly focused on the student crowd. Um, but we've really tried hard to make sure that this can be a place that people can hang out, can spend time with their friends, can meet new friends. Um, and we spend a pretty considerable amount of time um, personally interacting with a lot of our customers and getting to know them on an individual basis. Um, and yeah, we just really wanted to make, have that sense of community as sort of a foundation of what we were doing. So how do you go about building a community? Like when you opened initially, nobody knew about you. You didn't have any customers. Right? Mm, how did you right. get your first customer? <laughs> uh, that was easier than I thought it was going to be actually. Uh, what we did was, um, let me think here. We stuck a bunch of like flyers on our windows while we were setting up the store so people walking past could see what was coming. Mm. Um, we stuck a bunch of the same flyers uh, around campus, just kind of in random places where students might see it. Uh, and we started doing social media stuff. Uh, now, social media stuff in the early days was like a lot of our friends in other places following us that had no relevance to uh, our customer bases, but it mm. sort of slowly grows. Um, and uh, we we set a date for our opening, and we agreed we'd you know be there ahead of time and all set to go. But we we weren't really sure we'd get very many people showing up. Uh, it was kind of funny because Justin and Alicia were running a little late, and I was there waiting to open the store, and there was this guy camped outside on our front step waiting for us to open <laughs> and, like trying to call them going where are you guys there's somebody here what do i do um that was, that was really funny um and uh i ended up having to like unlock the door before they got there because it was time to open mm -hmm. and he comes running in and then it turns out there are like several other people sitting in the parking lot waiting for us to open. <laughs> they call Kane running in. Um, and I'm just like, what is this? Um, but, um, it turned out, um, several of the people that were there right at opening, um, ended up being really good customers. They were really enthusiastic. They, uh, they spread the word about us. Um, that fellow that was camped outside on our, doorstep winning for us uh he basically never left after that i mean not literally but mm -hmm. he was there really consistently he became actually a really good friend of ours um and uh yeah there were several other people that um once they saw that we were open they just kind of started bringing other people in and uh I'm probably a bad person to give advice to other people because in my mind, this sort of happened in some sort of magical way. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I think what happened is with people that are really enthusiastic about gaming hobbies, once they 
see that a new place is opened up and they take a liking to you, they're going to tell their friends. And word of mouth is by far the most powerful uh, way of spreading the word. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Nothing like having your friend tell you how great this new place is. Exactly. They're definitely going to believe their friend, right? Exactly. Uh, And it was a bit of a uh saving grace because uh, the first day that we opened we had had a shipment of products that had been delayed coming across the border and our store was so empty it was really embarrassing mm-hmm. um but um that has very much changed now we're sort of having trouble finding places to put things on our shelves but thinking back to that first day no it, it was so empty and I just remember looking around the store thinking like, how are we going to fill up this gigantic space? Mm. So let's talk about uh, product mix then. What did you sure. initially start out with? Uh, so product mix has changed quite dramatically since we first opened. Um, when we first set up, we had a selection of board games. We had some sealed magic product product, as well as some other sealed CCG stuff like, um, and some Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we had RPGs, and then the thing that's changed the most is back then we had um, some comic books, some manga, and some action figures and t-shirts. Um, so what we did originally was we set up a situation where we had sort of a smattering of a lot of different types of stuff. Uh, and the theory was we would just sort of put out this sort of nerd buffet and see what was the, the popular sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it fairly quickly, eh, not too quickly, but after a while it became very apparent that um, the thing that was a really big deal would be the magic cards, the RPGs, and the board games. Um, and manga and comic books and definitely action figures really weren't such a big thing. Uh, we also had some massive problems with the distributor that we were getting uh, the manga and the comic books from. So, How uh, so? <laughs> they were really badly organized. They, we would put in uh, an order for what we wanted at like the beginning of the month or whatever. And we would order a whole bunch of things and then they would ship it to us one or two items at a time in like a big box for each thing. And we'd be spending more in shipping than we would be spending to get this product. Um, and we tried to correct it with <laughs> so many times and they just wouldn't do it. Um, and given that our customers seem to be more into the gaming anyways, we finally just said, no, it's worth it. Goodbye. Makes sense. So now you're focused mostly on magic board games. Exactly. Um, we um, we deal a lot more with magic cards. Um, we've gone into magic singles, which has been a very interesting endeavor. Um, we still do quite a bit with RPGs. They, they sort of don't get as much attention because people sort of quietly come in, buy their books, and go again. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we actually go through quite a few RPGs, and we, um, we carry some fairly obscure stuff. So, so we've been, become quite a destination to, to get quite a bit of that. Um, and board games. We have piles of board games now. And uh, that, of course, is sort of my favorite 
end of things. But uh, yeah, that's, that's sort of the three main areas that we focus on. Now. Okay. Uh, have you ever had a setback or a big failure in the course of your business <laughs> over the last couple of years? Oh, there's been a few. <laughs> um, uh, obviously, in a general sense, the first year or two that you're open is always going to be like really tight financially. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. We uh, that that's more, sort of a more of a chronic problem than a major setback, but um, yeah, I mean, uh, we had Justin's nest egg from from Yellowknife, but other than that, we didn't really have like loans from a bank or anything. Um, so um, we can do it. Uh, it's just it's always going to be like you're really sort of watching what you're doing, and then like in our case, we ended up with like all this manga that wasn't really taking off so <laughs> it just kind of sat there and um that, that that's kind of par for the course when you're i think i was just saying that um one thing that's undoubtedly a factor is that the first year of business you're going to invest in um various things that may or may not work and inevitably some of them won't work but you don't know which ones and you don't know um to what extent uh, so that's sort of like, not so much a setback, just sort of a predictable factor that's unpredictable, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah. You um, shotgun your product out there and see what sticks. Exactly. And just trim back um, what doesn't work, right? Right. Um, so, um, there's that. Um, and that's sort of like an ongoing thing. Like any industry is going to have new things coming out all the time. You sort of have to like try it see what people think and then just kind of adjust things accordingly um but there's also been like other random things like um earlier this year we had a flood that was really unexpected and wild and what happened there was um the the building we're in uh our unit used to be an old laundromat and there's still this drain pipe in the floor in the middle of our store. Uh, it's, it's been capped, obviously. But uh, one night, um, we'd had this really harsh winter. And there was all kinds of like snow and ice and stuff. And then it started to melt. And all of a sudden, the whole uh, pipe just sort of backed up into our store. Mm-hmm. And I came in one morning. And there's this tiny little puddle around it. I thought, oh, that's, that's unfortunate. I'll have to call the landlord. But. Um, I didn't get to it right away. And over the course of the day, that puddle got bigger and bigger. And by evening, it was quite significant and clearly coming in quite fast. Mm-hmm. And um, over the course of the evening, it just got faster and faster. And we were sitting there mopping it up and trying to move products away from it. It was fairly close to our RPG shelves. So we mm-hmm. ended up having to like unpack all the RPGs and put them up on a table and stuff. Uh, so that was kind of scary and yeah, basically like we we're all just like in there trying to control this flooding at like 10 o'clock at night, uh, not knowing who to call at that time of night. Mm. So, um, we were, yeah, we were up all night dealing with that and we finally got a hold of the landlords who were very good about coming out and fixing it right away as soon as they found out. But, um, that's pretty good of them. Uh, it was. We, we've had some good luck with our landlords. Um, but that was a pretty stressful night because um, I, I really wonder what would have happened if we had been sort of a nine to five sort of business where yeah. we close up and go home and 
come into the morning and find everything ruined. Um, the fact that we stay open really late at night very much helped us save everything that night. Yeah, it could have been a lot worse then, right? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Have you, nah. have you ever had a big uh, victory, like a something that you're really proud of, an event you've held, uh, and something? Oh. Yeah, well, I, the whole business feels like a victory at this point. Like, we've That's been fair. open three and a half years, and it's just like, yay, we didn't go bankrupt. <laughs> um, however, uh, yeah, we um, we've over time really expanded our tournaments, and uh, there's been several times when things have um, gone better than expected. I remember um, I we've kind of got a limit of about a hundred people in any given tournament just because of the size of the store um which is significant but um mm-hmm. i remember the first time that we got up to that it was for the um the pre-release of ravnica last year when that came out yeah it was um, there. oh excellent <laughs> so uh so the way we do it is we have a uh, a midnight pre-release and then we have a couple more pre-releases over the weekend and the midnight event, people were just like lined up waiting to sign up. And we actually had to turn a couple of people away because we just reached capacity. And it was, it was pretty amazing seeing that happen. So, yeah, I was, uh, I was pretty impressed. I've never seen that many people come out to a pre release in yeah. KW at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we were, I think that was probably a moment when I sort of felt that, yeah, we, sort of taken off here because we'd never seen that happen before so Mm. yeah so can we talk about your uh event schedule then sure how did you uh come up with it like how why Uh, what does it look like and then why does it look that way okay so um what it looks like now is we have magic going on five days a week um we've got monday is standard tuesday is modern Wednesday is EDH, Thursday is Legacy, and Friday is an FNR booster draft. Uh, plus, we have um, special events. Uh, usually, we run them on Saturdays. We keep Saturdays free for any bigger stuff. Um, we also have uh, Wednesdays, we overlap with uh, a Yu Gi Oh tournament. Um, Tuesdays, we overlap with. Uh, miniature wargamers um and sundays we've got um some hero clicks guys that come out and a board game night so uh the schedule is pretty full Mm -hmm. and that's just sort of evolved over time um i guess originally we started off doing um um early on i guess we were starting with uh some some fairly basic stuff, like running some FMMs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, early on, we also did like D&D encounters that we have stopped doing since. Um, and from there, we just sort of slowly started adding in what people wanted. Um, one thing we always tried to do is sort of listen to our customers and see like what they are actually going to be interested in. Mm-hmm. Now you have to be a bit careful about that because you know everybody's got an opinion and everybody mm-hmm. has like a million suggestions. Uh, but if you sort of like get a sense of like the the overall preferences uh, in the crowd, um, you can get a feel of 
like what might work. The other thing is um, we've tried pretty hard not to set up tournaments in a way that are going to conflict very directly with other events going on in the city. So one reason we do an F an M as a booster draft instead of standard is because uh, the magic group at the university runs their F and M as standard. So mm-hmm. we decided to kind of switch things around and that way people can have a choice of what they actually want to do on any given night, as opposed to a choice of like which place you want to be more loyal to. Sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how did you, how do you de- actually determine what your players want? Like, do you actually physically ask them, like, what do you think the, the event schedule, what yeah. would you like to see? That kind of thing? Yeah. Kind of. Um, at this point, like, we've got such a full schedule that we've, we've sort of stopped asking them, but we do try to listen to them and sort of hear what they're saying. Um, yeah, we, we spend a lot of time having discussions with, with our players. So, um, so we'll, we'll get a pretty good sense of what people are thinking. Um, we um we also we have a there's a judge that we spend quite a bit of time talking to who has a pretty good sense of these things um and also just like you do some very basic sort of logical analysis of a situation um so like uh so like for example um that thing with not wanting to like bump head to head with the university crowd well mm-hmm. okay so we don't want to do a standard tournament on friday but we do want to do a standard tournament because a lot of people play standard so what other days are going to make logical sense to do that with um and also like once you have sort of a basic schedule set up of what's happening um you can sort of get a gauge for what's going to be popular so if you're getting like lots of people showing up to standard, but maybe like modern is barely functioning. Maybe if you want to hold a big tournament, maybe standard would be a better format to do that with because it's mm-hmm. going to be more popular. Uh, now that, that's a hypothetical situation. We have a pretty good modern crowd. So, um, however, it wasn't always like that. Um, when we first started, out, started doing modern, um, it was a pretty small thing and it didn't fire many, many weeks there. Um, then Modern Masters came out and we started running Modern Masters booster drafts and then everybody showed up and it became a thing. Um, so mm-hmm. you, you just, you sort of, sort of balance between what people are telling you and what your own sense of like practicality and logic dictate and piece it together and it seems to have worked out. Okay. Hmm. How do you, uh, get that jumpstart for an event like your your example was modern right if uh say right. you start a modern event and you only get a handful of people and not enough to really run an event right okay how do so you there's a, go from there? there's a fairly good example like we we started doing it because um people were asking for it um they were coming out to us and saying when are you going to run modern we, we really want to see this happening here mm-hmm. uh so after a while there were enough people saying they they wanted it we said, well, we'll give it a try. Uh, then there's sort of a discussion amongst ourselves about where in the schedule we're going to put it. Um, it turned out that Tuesday was a fairly slow day at that point. We had some Warhammer guys coming out and playing 
Warhammer that day, but um, it was a fairly small crowd and fairly quiet. So we're like, well, maybe we can fit in another small tournament there. Uh, so, so we tried it. Um, and what we'd get is sort of like, if there were sort of like eight to 10 guys wanting it, then we'd get like, you know, six to eight actually showing up on any mm-hmm. given day yeah. and <laughs> that sort of thing. So we're sort of like, mm, maybe this is going to work. Maybe it's not, but you know, it's, we're not losing anything by sticking it on the schedule and seeing what happens for a while. Um, but we're sort of like, eh, maybe, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Um, then, uh, then modern masters came out and everybody was sort of in a tizzy about it. Uh, so, uh, we sort of talked about it and we were like, well, this is clearly designed for drafting. So why don't we just run modern master booster drafts? Um, and we, at that point made the decision that that was the only way they were going to get modern masters from us was through booster drafts. Mm-hmm. So by not selling it, we sort of forced people to come out to the drafts. Um, and people seem to really like doing that. And they kind of, got in the habit of, you know, coming out on Tuesday nights if they wanted to do any sort of modern stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the end of us doing those drafts, people had kind of taken their shine. Yeah, they built up their collections. They'd taken a shine to modern. Um, more people had discovered it than probably would have without that. Uh, and you ended up with a situation where people were kind of enthusiastic about modern and now we have quite a few people coming out on a regular basis and the poor Warhammer guys are kind of like, uh, getting squeezed out in here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, so that's, that's just kind of one example of like how things evolve. Okay, great. Do you have a strategy for reaching new customers and bringing them into the store or is it just, mostly relying on like the existing community growing well, itself. We're, we're really lucky uh, with where we're located because we're so close to the university. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, yeah, we've just been like a bit spoiled that way. Um, earlier on, we experimented a lot more with different types of advertising we really found that print advertising was not useful for our crowd. Uh, people in the sort of nerd community aren't going to be reading like newspapers or coupon books or <laughs> that sort of thing that, um, that I think a lot of other businesses might be a little more reliant on. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I think we really found that online sort of advertising is probably the the best way to go for us uh, other than like word of mouth or just like sticking up a poster on campus or something. Um, so, um, so social media has probably played like a really, really big factor in people finding us um, probably more than anything else. Okay. That, that's fine. That works great. I've, from what I've heard, uh, you're, from what I've uh, heard from the people I've talked to so far, they're coming to the, basically the same consensus that for the hobby industry, print media yeah. is almost a waste of time. 
Yeah, I find, uh, from what I've heard, it, it's probably a good thing if you're appealing to sort of like suburbanites who are, I don't know, maybe like the soccer mom crowd who would actually like pick up a coupon book or something and flip through it. Mm-hmm. Um, a very broad general audience. Exactly. Hobbyists uh, or not. No, um, we're all very computer savvy and really like the internet. The other thing is, I think... Um, the gamers tend to like to participate in things and if you got like say something in a newspaper or something all you can do is read it but if you've got Mm -hmm. uh say a facebook page that's posting articles or uh various posts and things people can interact with that and they can comment or uh pass it on or whatever and it's much more participatory so that really goes back to the whole um, community thing. Like, I, I think gamers really love the, the the concept of community and participation. Mm-hmm. Especially magic. Yes, <laughs> very much so. They frequently refer to the magic community. Yes. Um, the, the magic community is probably the, the ones we see the most of, so we, mm-hmm. we do a lot of interacting with those guys. Okay. Hmm. So what uh, what resources did you have to start the store that you would recommend other people to have other than like a large nest egg? Obviously that made <laughs> it useful, but uh, was there anything else that you came in with that made it happen, made it successful? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, the, the nest egg sort of thing goes without saying. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I would say don't underestimate um, some intangible resources. Like, um, we, in the early days, we had a really, um, a strong sense of like wanting to like plow everything we had like into the business. Um, so that meant like our personal lives, we, we sort of cut down on things and economized and like, um, we set it up for a while there that, one of my jobs was to like cook food for everybody. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's very much a background thing. But if, if you have someone who is like making sandwiches instead of like going out and spending 10 times the amount of money on takeout, um, that actually adds up quite a bit over time. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. Um, having, a really good sense of like planning and thinking ahead and um, uh, I don't know how to put it, but like, uh, uh, sorry, I'm losing my words here. Okay. Um, foresight. Yeah, uh... yeah. Foresight. And um, sort of what I was talking about earlier is like a sense of detachment is, is really, really strong. Um, setting up a business, you're going to see a lot of sort of wild swings up and down until you sort of find your groove. Mm -hmm. Um, and being prepared for the fact that, um, you're, you're going to feel some emotional highs and lows. Um, and being able to weather that is, is pretty good. Um, that seems to be a common trait for entrepreneurs. It, it really is. It's an emotional (laughs) roller coaster. Sort of, balls of steel there but um um and also like having 
people that are supportive outside of the business. Like we all have like really supportive families. Um, and I mean that that's less direct cause they're not actually like up here working with us, but like, um, they gave us a lot of emotional support and, uh, um, they, uh, they were very much, um, kind of in the background being our cheerleaders. Um, we could always like go talk to them about like what we were going through, setting it up and, and everything. So having, having like some other source of like emotional support behind you is, is also very, very helpful. Carry you through the harder first couple of years. Yeah, definitely. Mm. So I guess the intangible stuff, the, uh, the soft skills, not, yeah. you, that's kind of the things you can pick up on the way. Yeah, exactly. Um, in terms of more solid stuff, um, getting to know everything that you're dealing with. I mean, I, I don't know every single game that is sitting on our shelves, but having sort of a good sense of like what your, your industry is in general is really helpful. Um, Justin was a magic player back in the day. So like he for a while there was like sitting down and just like actually playing with people. And that gave a much more personal connection to, mm-hmm. to the community and, and things like that. So, um, so those are all good things. Yeah. Okay. Are there any tools that you use during the course of your day consistently that uh, you wouldn't be able to run your business without? Uh, well, well, you've already mentioned like, like Twitter and Facebook as the social yeah. media stuff, but social anything else? media stuff has been huge. Um, obviously, Wizards Event Reporter, like uh, all our magic tournaments go through that, so that, yeah. we just wouldn't have that without the, the, the <laughs> sorry, we wouldn't have um, magic tournaments without the the software to run it. Um, I have a similar thing for Konami's events running. Yu-Gi-Oh! It's not nearly as fun to use, but hmm. not that Wizards Event Reporter is all that fun, but um, at least it's a little more sophisticated, though, right? Yeah, I've the the Konami software is frustrating. <laughs> um, we also use um, quite a bit of like Google Docs stuff. Um, we uh, deal with a lot of like spreadsheets and documents that uh we we keep in there and we can just like open them on up on whatever computer so cloud-based documents are uh pretty useful to us um our cash register obviously our debit machine (laughs) um yeah uh our refrigerator gets a lot of use with our pop-consuming customers. <laughs> that, that was actually a really good thing. At, at a certain point, we decided to, to bring in snacks and pop and stuff. And that wasn't initially part of the plan? Happy. No. Uh, well, we talked about it, but we didn't do it right away. Uh, so I think we did it about six months in. Um, that was mostly just due to like getting ourselves organized to do it. Mm. I think we had a few like chocolate bars and stuff, but... Uh, but we finally got the fridge in, and uh, yeah, that, that was a pretty popular move with, with the crowd. Okay. So to 
kind of get into a hypothetical situation. Mm-hmm. Since the whole point of the show is to help other stores learn strategies for success themselves and also to help people who are trying to get into the business who are interested anyways in kind of shortening the learning curve. Mm-hmm. If you had to start over from scratch, like if the years were rewound, but you still knew everything you did now, would you do anything differently? If the business didn't mm-hmm. exist and you were in that planning process, would anything change? Hmm. Uh, it probably would. I'm just trying to think of what, um, I probably would have cut off the manga and comics a lot sooner. Um, I think, I I mean, this could probably be said for any situation, but starting with more money is always a good thing. Um, but like, you could probably take that to like, an infinite amount like i don't know if you ever feel like you're you're starting off with enough um that's fair but how would that actually change it uh, so you had double the amount of money what would you do double the amount of money would have been um a little more of a a cushion um uh i think uh if we could have uh if we could have had like a little more of a cushion to sort of live on while we were letting things start up uh Mm -hmm. it it would have been nice but at the same time like when you're in the mindset of like wanting to sort of make this business happen um you are probably going to just like take everything you have no matter what and throw it in there (laughs) Mm. um so if we'd had double the amount of money we may have just like doubled the amount of product we got off got off to start with um and maybe that would or would not have been a good thing so like it could have been we doubled our investment in comic books and that would have been just useless right (laughs) Right. um so i mean that i i sort of say is sort of a wishful thinking thing but it it doesn't necessarily mean it would have got any better um one thing that was specific to us that other people may or may not want to do um, was we rented a fairly large space for our store. Um, and of course, the bigger the space, the bigger the rent is going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting a bigger space meant a lower cost per square, per square foot. Um, but more importantly, it meant space where we could hold some fairly large tournaments um other people may not want to do that um because right off the bat like you're going to be paying like a very large amount of money for rent every month um whereas if we got a place that was half the size uh that would have been a little bit less of a issue for us um now in our case it's worked out um tournaments have been a massive part of how we do our business mm-hmm. uh but just in thinking in terms of other people, um, it might be not necessarily something they would want to copy. Okay, that's fair. So if somebody did want to start their own business and they were coming to you to ask it for advice, would you tell them that uh, kind of do the middle ground? Or would you be like, events are a big portion of our business and that you should make them part of yours too, right? I, or is it just a, uh, it just worked out for you because of your location or something like that? 
yeah, it, it's sort of a combination of factors. Um, if if someone came to me and was talking about opening their own business, first of all, I really love it when people do that sort of thing. Um, one thing that was quite surprising to me, and actually I should probably mention this as like a resource, was that um, when we started talking about opening our own business, it really surprised me how excited other small business owners were when they talked to us. Mm. And there, there's sort of this thing with small business owners where if they see someone else wanting to kind of go down that road, they they become really encouraging and really like have this thing where they want you to make it. And they're really open to giving advice. Um, uh, I have an aunt and uncle that own uh, their own business and um, they, they've been, I, I don't live very close to them, so I don't get to see them very often, but uh, when I do get to see them, they're, they're very uh, enthusiastic about talking to us about business um, and a few other people that we know as well. And um, I think one thing I would probably tell people is don't be afraid to go and talk to other business owners, even if it's not like in the same industry, there's probably a lot of insight that you can get and they're probably a lot more um, open and encouraging than you might think they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I really enjoy it when now people who are starting a business or thinking about it or thinking maybe someday they'll do it. Um, I really enjoy it when they chat with me about it because uh, I get to be on the other end of that. Um, and to go back to your question mm-hmm. now, um, the the thing I would do is if someone came to me and said, I want to start a game store, what do you think? Um, what I'd probably do is sit down with them and go over a whole bunch of different factors that are playing into like how they're setting up their particular business, like where they're going to be geographically, what market they're appealing to. Is it more college students? Is it more high school students? Is it more like family board games sort of thing? Um, and, um, sort of see what resources they have to start with and sort of help them sort of think about how to balance all the different factors and learn how to do like the, the analysis of, of what, what they can offer, um, versus like what might not be something that, uh, they can, they, they want to spend their time on. Um, and wh- one thing that I've often heard as, uh, a really good advice for, for small business owners is, um, the, the thing you mainly want to do is look at where the gaps are in, in the, the area that you're working in and try to fill those gaps rather than just copying what other people are doing. Like, um, like if, if we came in and just like, set up the the exact same gaming schedule as everybody else well that's just not going to fill any gaps people are not going to know where to go whatever Mm. but if if we offer something that is complementary or a counterpoint to something else that's being offered then then there's just going to be more available for the community and um and it'll work out so that um so that just more is there for people to take part in rather than mm. so the important point is uh find the need and then fill the need yes exactly 
rather than try and create either a replica that already exists or something that people might not necessarily want, but you think right. they do. Right. Um, and that kind of comes back to like listening to the customers, being sensible about what you're doing, and like, uh, yeah, just sort of analyzing what is needed rather than, um, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, what's in store for Just By Chance Games in the near future? What's what's coming up for 2015? What's oh uh, well, <laughs> we've really got our hands full at this point. We uh, we've got a really full schedule, and um, uh, things are things are really on the go there now. Um, specifically coming up for the Magic community, uh, we've got in January we're gonna have a um, a Winnie Foil Tarmogoyf Legacy event. Uh, so that'll be on January 11th. Uh, in February, uh, I forget the exact date right now, but it's near the end of February. We're doing our first PPTQ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be new and exciting territory for us. Um, and then in March, we're looking at holding a fairly big modern event. So those are sort of three things to keep your eyes open for. Uh, and That'll be on top of uh, all the other fun stuff we do, like pre-releases. And, uh, and yeah, <laughs> we've, uh, we've got a fair bit coming up. And I think we're also going to be having like a, a bunch of other non-magic-related stuff. Like uh, uh, There's some Netrunner and X-Wing stuff coming up as well. So mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, we've, we've got a lot going on. Any plans to expand at some point? Or is there a second location? Ever in the future? We occasionally sort of talk about, like, would we do it or not? Um, I, I think anytime we end up with the ability to expand something, uh, Justin just talks about buying more magic cards. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, uh, it, it, it's sort of something, if we talk about it, it's sort of a, a more distant future sort of uh, the fantasy sort of discussion. Uh, right now, we're we're pretty happy with how things are going with uh, with what we've got, and uh, we're we're just concentrating on doing that uh, as well as we can for the time being. Okay, fair enough. Don't uh, don't fix it if it's not broken. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, if it's working, keep going. Yeah. Great. Okay. Uh, could you tell the listeners where we can find you online? Sure. Uh, our website is justbychancegames.ca. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, and our Twitter handle is at JBC Games. Uh, yeah, at JBC Games. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. Yeah, it, thanks for It's been great me. talking to you. Yeah, you too. I might see you at uh, Modern this Tuesday, possibly. That would be fantastic. <laughs> okay, well, uh, have a good Saturday afternoon. You too. Take care. Bye. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Larissa Looms. I think she gave us a lot of valuable insights about what it's like to run a friendly local game store that actually cares about its customers. If you get a chance, check them out online, and if you're in town, drop by. I'm sure they'd be glad to say hi. Let them know that I sent you. If you're looking for more, check out manaversaga.com 
It's the home of the Metaverse podcast, and it's where we share tips and tactics about how to grow your business and your local community. From there, you can also learn about more, learn more about Metaverse.com, and you can also sign up as a beta tester. We're currently looking for game store owners and magic players to help work out the kinks and give us some honest feedback. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe to the Metaverse podcast on iTunes and help help us by leaving a review. Sharing this episode is also a great way to help the show. Every reviewer and sharer will uh, get a shout out on an upcoming episode. As always, thanks for listening.